Hello and welcome to Tech Connect. My name is RJ Ledesma. Very happy to be your host and the facilitator of the great ideas that will be shared here in our podcast. Now, tell your story, present your idea. More importantly, champion Filipino technology ingenuity, promote a smarter and sustainable Philippines. And at the same time, here in Tech Connect, find partners, investors, and like-minded individuals who will help you flourish and bring your innovation to life. Tech Connect is an online tech show and podcast organized by our good friends, Multisys Technologies Corporation, in collaboration with Podcast Network Asia, Ideaspace, and Cubo Philippines. Now, the initiative of Multisys to do this one is really connect the whole tech community ecosystem. We can really help each other out. There is no need to start things from scratch when we can collaborate with our technologies, our advocacies, and to promote Filipino technologies and innovators, and more importantly, create an avenue for them to reach their goals, which include you know, promoting their products and services, uh, reaching a wider scope of clients, connecting with more incubators like Cubo or investors, inspiring others, and of course, more importantly, showcasing proudly Pinoy technology. Here today, we've got our good friends from the Securities and Exchange Commission to help me out ask some really great questions and gain great insights from our friends, from our guests here tonight. I have the Information and Communications Technology Department Officer in Charge, Mr. Oliver Chato. Oliver, welcome to TechConnect. Thank you. Thank you very much, RJ. Um, It's good to be here. Really appreciate you joining us here today. And for this episode, our featured innovator is Olivia. Olivia enables companies, whether they are a startup or a full-blown company, to manage and digitalize tedious and manual data capture of receipts and invoices, translating them into reports and digital assets in seconds, helping you focus on your work more while saving you the time and, more importantly, the money. Right now, we have Olivia represented by the very hardworking CEO and founder Jocks, fantastico, fantastic that you're joining us here today, Jocks. Thanks so much for being on the on the podcast. Hi, RJ. Thank you for having us. And I'm really grateful for this TechConnect community that helps startups like us engage with the ecosystem and just really share our story. Great. You know, Jocks, the nice thing about, you know, when I've been doing this program for a couple of episodes already, there are different stages or different desires of where the podcast wants to be, or rather where the incubator wants to be. Some they just want to make connections, some are looking for maybe investors, some of them are looking for other people that they can collaborate with to further improve the software. What are you looking for in TechConnect aside from, let's say, the network? Yeah, it's it's all of the above. And really just to support people who want to be or want to be startups. I mean, my background is uh, I, I jumped from corporate to a startup environment and that wow. wasn't an e- easy uh, decision. And I started yes. quite late in my life. I just became a startup founder a couple of years ago. And uh, always my wish was that, you know, I wish I had done this sooner, but, you know, it's never too late to, to start anything. But really, I just want to encourage people who are thinking of becoming startups or, or women especially who are maybe are already thinking of taking that entrepreneurship journey just to, you know, maybe encourage them 
and hopefully share what we've learned, the mistakes that we've made, and um, yeah, hopefully add value to their journey. I'm really so happy to see uh, whenever I interview women CEOs and women startup founders, it really inspires me as well because, you know, I work together with my wife uh, in my business, which is Mercato, which mm-hmm. is like a food startup, right? Really, that's how right. we, we think about it. But then, you know, it, it's so nice to see that, you know, she really shone when she finally came to the business and was running things themselves. And, you know, there, there are a lot of great women startups coming up. You've got people like One Export coming up. Uh, and all of them really inspiring the younger generation of female startups. So hopefully, I wish my daughter could be somebody like you one day where you put in really great examples. So thanks so much, Jocks, for being a great example for female startups, founders, not just now, but for the next generation as well. Having said that, we have our good friend Oliver over here. Oliver from the SEC. You might be wondering... What the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, is actually doing here, uh, joining us. <laughs> what are they doing right now for the startup ecosystem? Like, so, Oliver, maybe you can help us out. I'm, I'm sure that in the SEC, we see that the Philippines is coming up in the startup world right now. Uh, we're, we're improving in terms of our rankings of supporting startups, investing startups. How will the SEC play a role in helping companies like Olivia and other upcoming startups as well? Yeah, thank you for that, RJ. There are actually, um, as part of our digital transformation initiatives, if you've noticed, the SEC has recently been um, putting a lot of efforts into digital transformation. Um, why? Because it's the way to go. Pandemic put us in this state where we have to automate and, and really become digital natives looking at um, digitalization. So just to be quick about it, there are two initiatives that are of relevance that you might want to consider as a startup from the SEC. One is that we've started up an innovation office. Now, what it is, is it's exactly what you're doing. But from a regulator's point of view, we talk to startups who want to enroll with us, and we try to understand more of their business models as regards um, particularly fintech in this case, so that we can actually, shall we say, bring in the interplay of policy, how we adjust policy to Mm -hmm. really what businesses are doing and what's needed, because um, we don't want to be static. We want to be, in that sense, more agile and really help and extend our our policies to, to the SEC, provide probably what we call informal steers, which is guidance to startups. And and the second thing is that we're also starting up an initiative called OASIS. It's the Office for the Advancement of Strategic Investment SMEs. OASIS sounds really good. I love that. OASIS. Yeah. And it's not the, what's this, mop hair bangs of the, what is it, 90s. But yeah, and that's the initiative. How that takes shape, it depends on how we see the market moving. We, we mm-hmm. try to be adaptive and, and really useful more than anything. So those are the two initiatives that, that we can extend. Along with our, our ease of doing business initiatives, you can now register your business in one day. There's one-person corporations. There's you know a lot of things happening. Even our you know filing and reporting of, of your financial statements and your GIS are all online. So apart from that, yeah, those two initiatives. I can see that actually Jocks is taking notes because there's some things over there that we might be able to integrate uh, right now for Olivia as well together with the SEC. Before I move on to Olivia, you know what? There's one more question I actually want to ask Jocks from Oliver, if you don't mind, because this is very interesting, particularly when it comes to fintech companies. And it's this term that they call the sandbox, right? Usually you have to have a place when, when there are unfamiliar technologies which need to be used and you're not too sure how it fits into the picture regulatory-wise or even system-wide. You have what you call a sandbox. Maybe you can just help us under, better understand what's a sandbox and how can how, what is the SEC doing about 
creating, helping create or facilitate sandboxes for fintech companies to, you know, I guess, get their feet wet or try to operate their businesses? Yeah, siguro coming from a tech point of view, you can actually look at the sandbox as a two-dimensional. It's both time, so temporal and, and spatial in the sense that we try to limit sort of like the arrangement where businesses can conduct their business in real markets. So it's um, it's real transactions happening in real time. They're not toy problems. They're not, you know, there, there are no safety harnesses other than the fact that it's a smaller market. There are limitations. In some cases, bonds are provided to indemnify the participants, but it's highly regulated. Okay, so that's what a sandbox is. Literally, it's, it's almost like a terrarium of, of the ecosystem that you can carry out for a while. Some sandbox initiatives are to test a particular business model. Others are for learning. That's right. Um, right? One of them is, is PSPs, and we're looking to dovetail our innovation office. The challenge with sandboxes are that they take a lot of resources up from the regulators. So the SEC... Um, is working towards that. But what we have in an innovation office is sort of like a more personal, like a one-is-to-one sort of behavior rather than a market sandbox. It's, it's more of like a, an advisory. You have a certain number of hours to talk to us. Uh, we can help you with regulation. We can help you understand regulation. In turn, it helps us to understand your business more. So all of these are what we call regulatory responses to fintech. So there are different ways of doing it. Some of it is also uh, reg tech and sub tech, but that's it probably in a nutshell. Well, good, good things to note. I'm sure that while we were talking about that, Jax was taking a lot of copious amount of notes because these are things that she can actually reapply for Olivia. Having said that, Jax, uh, I want to get into Olivia here right now. And for example, we were doing uh, what I would call the elevator pitch for Olivia. <laughs> and we were talking to a big investor. What would be your elevator pitch right now for Olivia? Right. So at Olivia, our elevator pitch is really all about automating accounts payables through AI. So we allow users to scan uh, receipts and invoices, and our algorithms extract that information and autofill them into the expense fields. So what we are doing is reducing the manual processing, and we save companies at least 50% in lost efficiencies and foregone input VAT credits. Wow, fantastic. And, and having said that, no, there was a very interesting question that actually Oliver brought up kanina, and I, and I want to raise it again right now. Oliver, what was your question about the DOF and how would they recognize that? Yeah, and, and I have to commend you know, for this initiative. For one, it's environmental friendly. I'm sure, RJ, you, I know that you're very much into environmental friendliness, no, saving the earth, is that it saves a lot of paper, if we can, you know, and it allows you to throw away the paper that you've already recorded as, as an alternative. But the question I wanted to ask is, um, there is an initiative coming up for, 20, I think it's scheduled for 2023, to move into electronic invoicing and electronic OR issuing provided by, by the government. And I wanted to ask how you're looking to pivot given that, that direction of the DOF now. Right. So e-invoicing, so our, our algorithms actually are trained to, to recognize a wide variety of receipts and invoices. So now we are doing the tape uh, tape receipts, even your parking tickets, but also things like your digital receipts and invoices. So if you buy something online, you don't actually get a physical receipt, but you actually get a, an email, a digital receipt or invoice emailed to you. So our technology also recognizes that. And 
Once the invoicing comes in, then our algorithms, we can also, you know, for e-invoices, you can just bulk upload. But instead of bulk uploading, because they're already e-invoices, we can somehow uh, capture that without actually having to, you know, snap a picture. So we will continuously, we're doing continuous R&D with our technology to adapt to the changing landscape. And e-invoicing is a really great uh, initiative because now there's still a lot of handwritten ORs. <laughs> and while our algorithms can, can recognize the, the written parts, so it can recognize the, the supplier or the merchant name, the TIN and the OR, OR numbers, the, the rest of the fields still have to be manually inputted. So e-invoicing really helps us because then we're able to now capture all those uh, all those details without really even more reducing the uh, the manual entry that's required of, of the user. Wow, fantastic! And, and this is this is what really amazes me about this jocks is that you know I was reading an article about you where you were saying you know you know you're talking about algorithms here right now, but then if you look at your background, you were saying I didn't think I was good at math at the start because uh, and you know you took a journalism was your undergrad and. Aside from, but but you know, aside from that one, you went to a very highly quantitative MBA school in the University of Chicago, which it's known for. No, so very interesting background that you have. What I want to know here right now is, you know, when I when I step back, is you know, you went from a corporate job to startup job, and that for me, bravo to you. That is not easy for people to do at any age, or maybe at, at our age, I guess. No, <laughs> I, I guess we belong to the same carbon data generation. Ako, carbonated ako eh. Like, you know, I'm carbonated, di ba? And you're carbon, di ba? So, anyway, I wanted to first ask, before getting into that one, where did you first find the pain point, as we say, di ba, in the startup world? When did you see that pain point that you had to solve? And you said that, I'm willing to risk that I'm going to solve this pain point. Yeah, so even when I was in corporate, I was actually already, my, my boss used to call me, Jocks, you are an employee, but actually you are an intrapreneur. So I would always find problems, even at, at work, simple or not. As, and I would really join various committees in addition to my, my nine to five, my day job, just so I can get the feel for how do you solve problems at a corporate level? So anyway, I, I had that kind of uh, DNA and wiring. But the seed for Olivia was really planted because I, I was actually uh, in um, B2B uh, sales and mm -hmm. um, business development. And uh, for that job, I used to travel a lot, not just uh, you know overseas, but even within, within the country. And there's a lot of expenses. And I was really the, I was the number one enemy of our accounting department because all my expense uh, reports... <laughs> <laughs> or because uh, I, I kept on losing my receipts mm -hmm. um, and I was always late. And then my my problem solving nature said, okay, there, as, there must be an easier way to do expense reports. So then I tried to find solutions. And surprisingly, there was not a solution that was tailored for, for Southeast Asia and for the Philippines uh, specifically. We have competitors, they are based in the US and Europe, but they don't recognize Philippine receipts and invoices. And that's really how the, the genesis of Olivia. So when we 
years later, when we had the opportunity to, I said, okay, this is something that, that this is the use case that we need to work on. Our technology is really built to recognize Philippine receipts and invoices, including the TIN, the VAT amount, VATable amount, OR number, even you know, in invoices, uh, when you receive it, there's a stamp that says received, and then the date, we also capture that. And those are adaptations that uh, you know, foreign uh, services and apps and softwares are not able to do. I get other, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, and the other thing we did is that you know we we combined the scan and voice because mm-hmm. we do do realize that there are still fields that are not fully captured. It's not a hundred percent accurate, but we're able to get if it's uh, really fresh from the POS, we can get up to about ninety five percent accuracy. Mm-hmm. But if it's really super gusot um, and faded, <laughs> then maybe seventy percent. So instead of manually entering, then you can just dictate the other field. So that's the other specificity that we uh, allowed for for this region and especially for the Philippines. Hi, I'm RJ Ledesma. Get inside the heads of the country's sharpest and most innovative business personalities and entrepreneurs. Hack your way to success as you learn more about how they think about business. What are their best practices and success secrets? How do they innovate their businesses during the pandemic? And what opportunities do they see in the new normal? Join me on the RG Ledesma podcast. But I'm wondering, you, you learned about this while you were working in your company. So what was the story? After you learned about this, you, you saw the business opportunity. Did you jump ship and say, I'm going to do this one? Or did you say, let me take an early retirement package and move over here? What was that journey towards your, your tech entrepreneurship? Right. So actually, so I was I left corporate a couple of years ago, but I didn't really jump into into this startup right away. Family reasons. Uh, it was I was that at that life stage where okay, I had to prioritize family. So mm-hmm. I was um, already you know incubating this idea without having to really start that yet. And a couple of years ago, uh, our CTO is actually my my brother. And ah. Yeah, he developed this technology for scanning and and uh, dictating. And originally, in fact, uh, this is sort of like a, a side story, backstory. We originally in, in developed Olivia uh, to help women with their budgeting and mm. yeah, during the you know pandemic, you know priorities of women changed, and therefore we had to find another use case. And that's how we ended up. And then I remembered that pain point when I was in corporate and they said, oh, aha, this is uh, a use case we need to explore. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. So the pivot that was made was amidst this pandemic. Yes. For, for Actually, this one. Yes. yes. Oh, tell, tell us a bit more. So March 2020 hits. Where was the app at that point? Where was Olivia at that point? And then how quickly were you able to switch over to, to the new use for uh, Olivia? Yeah. So, okay. There was sort of two pivots there because, so first we were in a budgeting app for women. And then when the, when the pandemic hit, suddenly people were not, you know, budgeting is the least of their worries. It's it's about, you know, how do I get more money? Okay. So I said, okay, let's, let's park that idea. We'll probably circle back to that at some point, but you know, for now. Okay. And then we, um, the, the other use case we looked at was employee reimbursement. Yeah. So we started looking at, 
get that. But then again, the pandemic hit and then the, the all the travel kind of disappeared, right? And mm-hmm. all the meetings disappeared. So then we found the right uh, use case when talking to accounting firms and that finding that during the past year, their businesses have grown actually because companies who used to have their own departments or their own finance departments now found it more more efficient to outsource the F&A functions. But accounting firms didn't have the capacity to, to scale because of the lack of manpower. And in fact, there were kind of turning away businesses that required basic bookkeeping because it was too manual. And because also the accounting associates didn't want to do these jobs. Sabi nila, you know, I, I passed all my exams and yeah, I studied for hours yeah. oh, and hours oh. and then I end up just manually encoding, right? So now, in fact, we didn't really pivot, but our go-to-market was tweaked a little bit. So it's exactly the same product, same use case, but our entry point, in fact, now are accounting firms. And that has proven to be really efficient because Silayunakak experienced the pain at the moment of being unable to scale and our technology now allowing them to, to focus on the value-added work. So you, you, you actually pivoted from a B to C to a B to B. In this Absolutely. pandemic, yes. Oh, really interesting. Uh, Oliver, would you like to ask anything? Were there different sets of challenges that you saw, as as opposed to what you foresaw when you started looking at Siguro B to C? Good question. Good question. Yes, Jocks, was it easy to pivot from B to C to B to B? Actually, so. For me, it was actually more natural because my background anyway was B2B. Ah, okay. So in fact, it was a little bit more of a challenge, the B2C. So yes, going yes. to B2B was was really more, more natural. There were definitely challenges because you need to, to solve a problem for that particular company first and then really adapt your product, solve their problem, and then move to another company. It's It's been going quite well. In fact, we have a waiting list for accounting firms to to be onboarded next year because they are anticipating the April filing. So yeah, they they are, um, they really welcome the fact that, okay, the workload will be much more streamlined um, through our technology. Thanks. I wanted to ask, now talking to you as an entrepreneur, I guess as a tech entrepreneur, that when you were doing, when you were developing the Olivia software, were you basically bootstrapping the whole time? I mean, what, what was the money used to, to, to fund the development of the software? I know that your brother's there, so that, that took away a lot of the, the capital used for labor. Baka that was just sweat equity where they're coming in. But let me know a bit more. I mean, that's what many entrepreneurs are, you know, they're very curious about that one. Okay, I, I have a great idea, but you know, how do I start? Where do I get the software? How do I put this together? Where do I get the money? Maybe you can give us a bit more of your journey over there. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, we are bootstrapping. That That's the short answer. Yeah, for, for quite some time, because we are revenue generating only recently. So for quite some time, it was really our, you know, our own savings that we were using. Unfortunately, I made some interesting investments, and that's really what's paying for it. So it's, it's really about bootstrapping. But for other founders who are starting to look at, you know, how do they fund their on their business. Bootstrapping is, is the, the recommended way, especially if you don't have you know, a, a concrete product yet. Getting investors in too early might be a little bit too risky for them, which means they'll be asking for more equity than, than you might be willing to give, right? And, and when you look at investors, yeah. uh, you know, you need to find investors who understand what you're doing. And if you uh, are desperate in a desperate situation, you may not be able to have that 
kind of luxury of of choosing uh, which investors to to bring on board. Exactly. So this is my I don't know. This is tell, tell me if, if I'm if I'm correcting my assumption because feeling lang is that you know by the time you were hitting pre-pandemic, was the business for the B two C going up or were you at your parang some some people were at their last legs right and they said okay. But then sometimes the pandemic became their windfall or the pandemic became their silver lining. How was it like for you? What was your situation at the time when, when you had to make all those pivots? Was it on its way up? Was it on its way down? Was it, was it just level? Yeah, it was really just level. It wasn't... There was a little bit of an upheaval because, yeah, for a while we didn't know, okay, which, which uh, we had to, we're trying not to panic, but at the same time, we had to explore all possible use cases, find new markets. So it was a little bit, I wouldn't say chaotic, but it was a productive sort of chaos. We see, uh, spent that, now we used that opportunity to really spend a lot of time with companies, just listening to what they, they were worried about. So we decided to, okay, park some segments, but really pursue some segments. And that's really how we came to the to the use case that we have now. In terms of funding, we had some runway at that time, again, through the investments and our personal funds that we were able to, to tap into. But, you know, we didn't have loads of money. So we had to be really, really uh, frugal. And uh, we had to put some people on part-time rather than on full-time basis. So we had to be creative in terms of how we, we manage the team and our resources. But right now, I, I I can see that right now things are actually I guess they're on the upswing for you right now because you do have yes. a you have a lot of you have you actually have a backlog of customers who want to be onboarded here as well. So I'm seeing the path to growth right now for Olivia. And the interesting thing I want to put up really on behalf of like Multisys is the idea that what Multisys does is it's like you said, no, uh, David Almirol's Multisys, his job is in collaboration and partnerships, and they have a they have a new uh, software called Multistore, where they're onboarding many of the small businesses to come onto the platform, where it's sort of like a one-stop shop. It provides a website, it provides a marketplace, it provides payment platforms and also delivery platforms at the same time. So we're hoping that if we're able to fully integrate together with Olivia, uh, even the receipting technology is there. There's actually no need to actually print the receipt. Maybe Olivia can actually just generate the receipt and they can just download it for them for future use when they need to uh, expense it out. Is that something that you might be looking at as well? Yes, I mean, we're all for partnerships. Some, uh, when we talked to investors, they were asking us, uh, are you looking to kind of vertically vertically integrate? And uh, our answer was that we want to focus on what we're good at. And that's really our core technology, uh, which is patent pending at the moment. And, and that's the, the, the scanning, the parsing, and the voice recognition. And um, our strategy for growth is really through building partnerships, partnerships with accounting firms and systems integrators, APIs with HRIS software who want mm-hmm. to incorporate expense management into their platform, uh-huh. partner with pay- payment gateways for cash disbursements, and definitely companies like Multisys, they're, they're actually our ideal uh, partners, uh, for especially for the APIs. Well, if, if, if Dave was here right now, you would say, we would love to partner with you. So no worries right now. We've got a press from Multisys uh, listening in the background. We'll meet that even longer. That's really the purpose of Tech Connect to bring us together and see 
where we can connect uh, in the ecosystem. Now, having said this one, no, there's another interesting question I think it brings up, and that's the idea of scaling the business, right? Because right now I can see where, where it's growing. And the only thing that occurred to me no, is if we look at investors, is that they'll say, yeah, your software is great, but it's only applicable in the Philippines because it's a, like you were said earlier on, I mean, foreign companies don't understand how to do things in the Philippines or how, how, how it runs in the Philippines. So you made something that, that is customized for the country. But when you saturate the Philippines, I guess, how do you plan to scale from there? Or you're just saying that, okay, I'm just, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay. There's a, there's a big enough market for us to grow over here. So our roadmap is really uh, for geographical market expansion to Southeast Asia. So markets like Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, uh, because we can train our algorithms for their receipts and invoices, but also for their language. Uh, I spent uh, a lot of my time, about 15 years in Indonesia, so I actually speak Bahasa. Wow. Indonesia. Yeah, we have a co-founder who's a native speaker, so we can easily adapt our, our, our algorithms for that. You know, in the Philippines, we're in this cycle of, you know, selling and exporting raw materials for X and then buying the imported finished product at 10X, right? We, you know, we want to change that narrative. We now, you know, we don't want to export the raw material or raw talent, but instead we want to move up the value chain and offer really fully developed products and monetize that for the Philippine markets, but also for, for the rest of the world. I mean, I, I really admire companies like, you know, Senti, Prosperna, and Multisys because that's exactly yes. what they're doing. Well, very happy to work together with uh, Multis. Very happy to work together with Olivia to see how we can grow the business together. Because there's a lot of, as you know, in the Philippines, uh, and and that's why Multis store went in that direction. Because 99% of the businesses here in the Philippines are are MSMEs, micro, small, and medium enterprises. And I'm sure that with Olivia's technology, I mean, two way, right? many of these businesses actually meet your B2C criteria yes, <laughs> of, of these small women entrepreneurs running it. And then the B2B portion is actually these small businesses which are being run over there. And many of them don't have the know-how or the capacity to actually, they don't even know how important the receipts are or, or expense management is. It'd be nice to package everything together and to give it to them so that it improves the whole uh, finance ecosystem here in the Philippines yeah. uh, moving forward. Now, having said that, where do you see this moving five years from now? Do you actually see... Because many entrepreneurs, especially in the in the tech startup world, I'm, I'm aggressive. I want to start doing a Series A, Series B. I want to bring it up there. But is that how you're seeing the growth of, of you five years down the road? Or do you see it more as, you know, I, I want to make it because I know that you have a strong corporate background. So you're, others are saying, you know, I just want to make sure that the current business makes money. I'm not looking to burn money. I'm looking to, to run the business and make sure that it's profitable. And I'm not really on the lookout for uh, investors. What are your thoughts? Getting in investors is, I guess, inevitable. Not just for the, not just for the financial part of it. And in fact, we are fundraising at the moment. But more importantly, also for for the for the network that the investor brings. And that's why we're looking at investors who understand our business, who understand uh, automation and what it can do. Right? Having investors also makes you, from a governance point of view, it be, it encourages you to be more transparent. Right? And for that reason, it's it's good to have some form of investment. What level it is, you know, it depends on how much the founder is comfortable about you know, giving away equity. But I think having investors is, is an advantage uh, for more reasons than, than one. For uh, more reasons than the money. Than <laughs> the, than money. Just the money, yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic.
there, I'm Coach Laika Maravilla. Whether you're looking for a new opportunity, a new position, or a promotion, I'm here to help you land your dream job. Let me walk you through what you need to do before, during, and after your next job interview in the Get Hired podcast. Listen, learn, and get hired now. With that, uh, Oliver, do you have anything to add also as well? Anything that you, you saw very interesting? Yeah, I was just thinking about it. Is there any control from the user side about who has access to their data? Because the, the way I view it, it's more of a data company. You are capturing transactions, completed transactions, right? And it's it's data, data being the new, the gold, the new gold. No? In that sense, you can sell that data. My uh, concern there is, uh, and, and this is because I tend to go through this when we're releasing our own systems, is data privacy. Looking at or trying to intuit the extent of this, you can actually find out a lot about a person based on what they buy, what they paid for, and things like that that are evident in, in receipts, right? Like I can find out if someone is uh, pregnant or what gender or things like that. And the thing I wanted to ask is how do you prevent unwanted disclosure, protect the privacy of your customers? So firstly, okay, actually, that's a really good question, Oliver. And there are actually a few angles to that. Firstly, we actually don't capture line item information. So because that is not really required for financial statements and compliance. So that's the first thing. We don't capture line items. In that sense, the data, that behavioral data is actually not captured. There's still merchant data, but mm. uh, you know, it's not about what exactly they bought. The second thing is that the, the data is owned by that company. So really, the data belongs to them. You know, they might have their own data science departments or third-party data science providers, but uh, data analytics providers. But we we don't do that. that. That's it's their prerogative what they do with that data. All yeah. our data is is encrypted. So once okay. it's scanned, we. You know, uh, our, our dev teams don't have any idea. We maintain world-class standards in terms of data privacy. You store the actual images or the source files, for instance. It could be a PDF receipt or something like that. You store that anyway, right? And it's the company that, that owns it. Yes. So basically, the, the burden of being a data processor is, although extended to you, it's also primarily with the company you know, before you, right? Yes. Okay, got it. So they, they should actually um, keep the sacrosanct quality of that data for their customers or their employees, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. Okay, got it. Thanks so much, Oliver. Really great question asked over here. And you know what? I wish we had more time to, to speak at length, no? but don't worry. We'll get a chance to talk more jokes offline and how uh, we can help out Olivia and bring them to the whole tech ecosystem. And hopefully, where Motisys can help you out as well. But, you know, having gone through that whole roller coaster, I guess I would call it a roller coaster journey of entrepreneurship. And there have been a lot of great lessons in failure and in success. If you were to pass on some knowledge, of particularly for tech entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship in general, to the next set of startup founders, what advice would you like to share with them? Okay. So a few things, um, having gone through these past few years of, as you said, that roller coaster. Uh, firstly, if 
they are into becoming a startup, a tech startup entrepreneur for the money only, then I suggest they don't do it because there are easier <laughs> ways to make money. Yeah? So that's the first thing um, that are kinder to your health. Yeah, And then corollary to that, if you are really passionate and you're itching to solve a problem like MK of FH Moms or Ralph of Senti or Dennis of Prosperna, then do dive in because if you're chasing problems, then the money will follow. Uh, That's the first thing. Yeah. The second thing is don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, join an ecosystem like this and don't be afraid to to ask seemingly stupid questions. A couple of years ago, there's this uh, term called full stack that I didn't fully understand. And I was so ashamed to ask, what does it actually mean? And I denied asking myself for fear of, you know, looking like, oh, you're in a tech startup. You don't know what full stack is. But when I finally got the courage to ask that question, you know, the outpouring of of help and explanations, you know, didn't stop. So. Don't hesitate to ask for help. And I guess the last one is, it's about speed versus perfection. I remember this quote from, I'm sure you guys would have heard of it, uh, Reid Hoffman, right, of LinkedIn. And he says that if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've launched too late. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah. That, that's I should keep that in mind. I should keep that very much in mind. And having said that, I'm, I'm saying this also as well because I'm working together with Motisys as we develop our uh, Mercato app for our small food vendors, which we're aggregating as well. Hopefully, we get to work together with you and uh, with other great people in our startup ecosystem here in the Philippines. Really booming you here right now, especially with efforts like yours. And then I guess your example over here really jocks is a testament to say that, you know, the startup is is... It's for everybody, but as long as you've got the, you've got a great idea, you're willing to, like you said, it's not just about the money, but you're really, you know, it's a problem that you are really in love with and you think you can solve. I guess the money will follow, but it's really a desire to get that idea going and working, which is very, very key. So again, thank you so much, Jocks. Fantastico of Olivia for joining us here in the show and for inspiring the listeners of TechConnect. Again, thanks so much for, to Oliver Chato of the SEC for chiming in as well and seeing how the SEC can help the growth of our uh, startups here in the Philippines. Again, if you've got any anybody out here, any startups whom you want us to interview here on TechConnect, please let us know. We would love to have them here on the show. Again, my name is RJ Ledesma. Thank you so much for joining us in TechConnect. We will see you again next time. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.